Hi, this is Rex with a big welcome to the third episode of Batong Points Podcast, coming to you from the Batong Central in the beautiful studios of That's right, with more news and views and interviews about all things Batong, particularly pertaining to Victoria. This week we'll be talking about a supernova. We'll speak to the man behind my Patonk. Mention a few things from the PFA. No, we won't. We'll mention a few things from the PFA minutes. Tell you why hot bulls are really uncool. Have eyes on a deadly sin. Add a bit of levity and lots more. So stay tuned for Patonk Points. Firstly, it is with great shame and humility that I confess a terrible sin in which I plead guilty. Mere culpa indeed. And the reason I bring it up here is to help you avoid the same misdemeanour. Yes, I am guilty of playing in a competition and standing on an opposition bull. Oh, the shame and the embarrassment. And further, it was escalated more by the fact that one of my teammates did exactly the same thing in the previous end. This is not a good thing to do, and for so many reasons, and it does create tensions within the game. So avoid it like COVID. Take care and be professional. Our situation was mollified a little by the fact that the opposition team had done exactly the same thing in the early part of the game. I apologise then, and I apologise now. So be careful. You might have little feet, but they can cause a big problem. Here's an update from the PFA on the national championships in South Australia, Friday, April 2nd to Monday the 5th. Planning for the national championships in Adelaide and East is continuing despite uncertainty about travel restrictions. The board will make a final decision about the competition at their March 9th meeting. Registrations opened on My Patong from February 1st. Full details can be found on the PFA website. Already the singles is oversubscribed and the doubles and triples well supported, so better get in quick. State leagues are reminded to conduct their state shooting championships prior to the Easter Nationals. I have tried to contact Jonathan Giddings for a first-hand update of the Supernova, but he is extremely busy with the organising, so here is my take on a quick overview of the national event. The Executive Club Committee, Patong Subcommittee and members of the Nova Gardens Sports Club Incorporated are looking forward to welcoming you to Adelaide for the 2021 National Championships Easter Carnival of Patonk. Final event structure and catering will be subject to COVID guidelines at the time. They sincerely hope that you'll be able to join them for four days of quality competition played in the right spirit. At the conclusion of the final day, which is Easter Monday, to finish off the carnival, there will be a relaxed social function, including a two-course meal and live music. It'll be a great time to catch up with old friends, and probably new ones too, I would have thought. Bring your dancing shoes. This needs to be pre-booked and pre-paid. And here is some useful information to help with the planning of the journey to Adelaide. The club is conveniently located at 489 Anzac Highway in Novar Gardens, which is adjacent to Adelaide's premier beach suburb of Glenelg. Glenelg. Locally referred to as the Bay. By car you're approximately 3 minutes, 2.5, from the Jetty Road precinct at Glenelg. I'm sure I'm reading that backwards. 16 minutes from Adelaide CBD and 10 minutes from the Adelaide Airport Terminal. Glenelg 
That is backwards. Its Jetty Road precinct, surrounding suburbs and the adjacent coastal strip have a multitude of restaurants, cafes, coffee shops and pubs within the concentrated area to enjoy your stay. The club is easily accessible by car, bus and tram. <laughs> Funny looking trams there, I can tell you. There are many accommodation options in the local area, including hotels, motels, apartments, B&Bs, caravan parks, cabins, etc. However, the area is quite popular with tourists and it is Easter, so expect demand to be high. Light meals and slacks. <laughs> Light meals and snacks will be available. For I haven't even had a drink today. Light meals and snacks will be available for the duration of the tournament. We hope to have a better indication closer to the date of what type of catering will be permissible and in line with the SA Government COVID-19 guidelines for hospitality and catering. Pastis. You may have heard of the connection of the French beverage of pastis associated with the game of Patong, but do you really know what it is? I decided to do a little research, all for the benefit of the listeners to Patonk Points podcast, of course, and this is what I found. How to drink pastis like the French. I've travelled a fair amount in my life and I've made lots of observations about the world. One of the truest. The French know how to live life. They even have a phrase for this talent. Joie de vivre. One of the joieriest of the vivres is the habit of relaxing over an aperitif before dinner. If you find yourself in the south of France, especially in summer, that apero, as the aperitif is fondly referred, will likely be pastis. From the workaday dockside bars of Marseille to the quaint cafes along the cobbled lanes of ancient villages, in the hands of old men rolling patongboules in the town square to the tables of hipsters in trendy restaurants, you'll find a tapered glass of cloud-coloured pastis. Pastis has a strong alcohol-forward personality that can be off-putting to the uninitiated. However, once you become familiar with the magic of pastis, you'll probably find it irresistible. The flavour is anise. It's slightly sweet, but not at all cloying. If you're a fan of black licorice, you'll probably fall in love with French pastis. Part of the magical appeal of pastis is the presentation. It is brought to you in three deconstructed elements, pastis, water and ice. The bartender will pour about an ounce of the pastis brand of your choice into an eight and a half ounce heavy bottomed flared glass. A carafe of water will be placed next to it and you may also get a small bowl of ice. I say you may get a bowl of ice cubes. It seems to me that the more American you appear, the more likely you are to receive ice. Many French people prefer ice-cold water and no actual ice. This is where you take over and the magic begins. First, pour the water into the pastis, roughly four parts of water to each part of pastis, but you may use more or less if you prefer. Then add the ice to the glass if you're using it, or alternatively add the ice to the pitcher of water before you pour. You'll immediately notice the liquid changes from clear amber or transparent green to a milky soft yellow. This is known as the ouzo effect. The science of why the liquid changes appearance so drastically is hard to explain, but basically the added water alters the percentage of alcohol in the drink. This causes some of the botanicals held in the solution to become insoluble. These particles turn the liqueur cloudy, or as the French say, luche. 
Enjoy. Thanks to Greg Henry for that article published in September 15, 2016. I caught up with Peter Wells a week or so back to ask him about how the Maipatonk site came into being and it seems he had a little help from friends and family. But first, a little about Peter Wells, current secretary of the VPCI. This is a heavily condensed version of Peter's bio, which runs for about three pages. Here goes. Born in the UK at an early age, arrived in Oz in 1957, went to Monash for mass physics, chemistry and football, researched into radiography and medical imaging, retired to Woodend Hanging Rock Tonk Club. He enjoys bridge caravanning and rouge homme reds. I'm with you there. Lives in Ballarat after being in Gisborne and Woodend. Together with his wife, they have two daughters and one son and his music tastes are around the 60s era. A man after my own heart. I started out asking Peter where the inspiration came from to make the Maipatong site. Peter, from the little I've gleaned, it wasn't commissioned by VPCI or PFA or anybody like that. You just decided to get it organised. Is that correct? If I go back a bit, my wife and I retired in 2003, approximately. Mm. It seems strange that you'd go from Woodend down to usually a, a club in the metropolitan area of Melbourne. Yeah. And we'd sit around for an hour waiting for people to come in like, you know, Brown's Cows and, <laughs> and then try and make sure you the names were spelt correctly and then they try and put them on a bit of paper or an Excel spreadsheet and do a draw. So there seemed to be a fair delay between people getting there and no precise starting time. And I thought, oh, surely, you know, it's 2008 <laughs> or whatever it was. And you thought there's got to be a better way. <laughs> there's got to be a better way to do it. So And so... One of my daughters, she used to do website design and still occasionally does. So I rang her up and had a chat. Right. And I said, producing a website is not difficult if all you do is want to present information. If you want people to get involved and interact with a website, that's a whole new category. I'm very, very aware of this, which is why I have very little hair and very little patience left in my life, Peter. So I do, I do understand a little. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. That's all right. So I think about that time, and I, I, I can't remember, but let's call it about 2014. Yeah. I'd been talked into joining the VPCI committee, and I thought, and I basically could design that sort of website, but one that was really interactive was way beyond my pay grade. So I, I rang up my daughter and said, I've got two jobs for you. One's a simple design, which I explained for the VPCI. I said, the other one's a bit more complicated. I, I sort of wrote exactly what I felt was needed. Right. And it took about nine months, I think. By about 2015, it was launched with, I think, two parts, which were called registration and results. Right, yep. You know, with a few hiccups, it worked. A few people came up and said, that was a good idea. I think... Although it was basically my idea, prompted by waiting around for events to start yeah. a few years earlier, the actual final design was, was certainly my daughter's, not mine. I, I was as much impressed as I think anybody else was. Yeah, well, look, I'm just still blown away by it. I think it is just one of the most magnificent things out there. And had you put a cost on it, I mean, if your daughter was to charge you at what the proper rates would be, this would be a phenomenally expensive uh, program, surely. Yeah. I was lucky in a sense that, yes, my, my daughter was happy for a, a few extra dollars, um, and I was also very lucky that I got in before she started procreating. 
Because once she started having children, it was very hard to get a lot done. Yes. And I rang her up and said, look, we've been talking about trying to rank players. I've got this idea. Can you do something with this? Anyway, that's where the third peg, as it were, came on the screen called ranking. Right. I'm guessing 2016. It hasn't much changed since then. We put a pick-up list for people who wanted to put their names up, but they didn't have a full team. Yeah. We were asked one year whether the Australian Championship events could use my baton to register players. So we had to have the unlicensed okay. Australian players yeah, yeah. come in some other way. I and, mean, of course, once that was done, it was used not only by overseas players, yeah. uh, but then other people realised they could just tack their names in mm-hmm. We we can quite clearly track who's licensed and unlicensed. Right. So I think it, it's fair, and PFA have um, used it, I think, a couple of times for their nationals in Easter. Yes. And the intention is, and there's a lot of players already registered, to use it for upcoming national championship early April, if that, in fact, goes ahead. And I think there's a little question mark about that with COVID, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah no, I see that's coming up, and I see that, that you can register on your website now, which is just fantastic. So this thing has evolved probably over, what, five or six years, but really done in the first 12 months or so, it would seem, Peter. Yeah, a lot of it, apart from the rankings bit, was done in the first 12 months. Yeah. And I, I think I have to give a fair bit of credit for some of the development to a person who left Petonkin Victoria some time ago, a chap called Rod Deacon, who many will remember, mm-hmm. who occasionally came up with ideas and said, have you ever thought of dot, dot, dot? Oh, right. <laughs> he was a person who did actually not only support the idea, but also come up with a few ways of, you know, cleaning things up and making it look slightly better. And in... 2015, 2016, PFA, they requested that clubs attempt to use the sport scoring program to run big events. So we then tacked in a bit whereby you could download the teams, an upcoming event from my baton and import it straight into sport, which was... Um, saved a lot of mucking about as well. Is this how you get the results as well, Peter? Because I would have seen that as another issue on its own, just gathering the results of these things, having to rely on people to send you that information. But I guess if they're using that system, that's almost an automated thing, isn't it? It is. If people use sport correctly after the event, they can just send me the sport file. And if there's been a qualifying in the finals event, they're both separate events and they can come in and I can stick up the result literally within seconds. People do it on an Excel spreadsheet. It takes a bit more than a few seconds, but it's not a big deal. But it does mean, though, that you have to be available almost every weekend that there's a competition on. No, no, I just have to be on the end of a computer if someone sends me an Excel spreadsheet. And usually I normally get it done by about Wednesday after I've recovered from the travel. Oh, look, I've got to congratulate you and your daughter on it. As I would imagine, everybody involved in the world of Petonk that uses it. To me, the most magnificent thing. It's just brilliant. And if you're looking for um, suggestions of what you can do next and how you can make it do, um, obviously the next thing is when people register, their photograph goes up with it as well. So you actually know who you are playing against when you look who's registered for a game. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Um, people who register to get a licence on the PFA portal, they can stick their photographs there. I don't particularly want to see everybody's um, photo as I... No, no, I... And I'm, I'm certainly one of those that wouldn't want my photograph put anywhere. And, and most no. people looking at me would say, yeah, we don't want to see your photograph either as well. So 
I understand that, but that's just fantastic. I'm really impressed to hear all that, Peter. Okay, next time we meet, maybe we'll have a glass of wine and have a chat. That would be excellent, Peter. I really thank you once again. Thank you very much. Thanks, Peter. Take care. Bye. Yeah, thanks, Peter. That was wonderful. And there was much more conversation Peter and I had, so we might bring the rest of that conversation back at a later podcast. Here's a quick update on the new club and peace at Mount Martha and the opening thereof. According to Jeff Turner, as this podcast is going to air, he said, only one more layer of gravel to go and we will be installing timber and string lines. Very exciting indeed, so they're just about there. Oh, and while I'm there, well, actually, I'm not there and I won't be, I'd like to thank Andrea Bowles and the committee for the kind invitation to the official opening. I'm unable to be there because we hope to be in Queensland to visit the family we haven't seen for 12 months due to COVID. Good luck with the opening, Andrea. Well, here she comes again, our roving reporter, Griff's mum. It seems she, Max and Griff, spent a bit of time in the Warrnambool region, so Griff's mum filed this latest report. However, to keep her identity hidden, we're using a paid actor to voice the article. I had the pleasure of joining the Warrnambool Patonk group, where just a bunch of seniors, a.k.a. the Foreshore Fossils, play weekly on a Thursday. They keenly contest a monthly friendly competition against the Port Ferry Patonk Club. The prize for the winner at the end of the year is the Warfare Cup, currently held by Warrnambool. The beauty of this little group is that everyone is welcome. Bulls are supplied to those who would like to come and try. No membership fees apply. The three pieces are located on the foreshore in Potobi Road and were established as the result of many years of community lobbying. Construction was completed in 2018 and the piece officially opened on December 21st. Both Warrnambool and Port Ferry clubs are extremely hospitable. If you're in the area, drop by and you'll be made most welcome. The Warrnambool Patonk group meets each Thursday at 2pm for a friendly game on a purpose-built piece on Potobi Road. New players are welcome, bulls are provided Newcomers are teamed with experienced players to learn the game and its simple rules. It is a great fun day and it's free. Email alanpritt at bigpond.com, telephone 042-856-4755. Thank you, paid actor. That was well done. Um, did you see what they did there? Warfare Cup, huh? That's War, Nubble and Port Ferry. Very clever, I thought. Unfortunate news for our counterparts in New Zealand. Due to the return to alert level 3 for Auckland and level 2 for the rest of the country, for the next seven days, the National Women's Triples and the National Triples Championships, 5th to the 7th of March, to be held at Horowanua, have been cancelled. If the situation improves later in the year, the championships may be rescheduled. And this from Bayside Bulls Patonk Club. I think this is very clever. Thank you to everyone who made comment about Bayside's Butte Gasmin guys. Their fame spread far and wide in, in the Patonk world. Gasmin HR, Kate and marketing guru Stephanie love the photo and hearing all about the old boys in their Gasmin gear. So much so that with amazing generosity, 
they have given Bayside three $100 Gasman vouchers for first, second and third place getters in the men's singles this Saturday. Who would have thought when you were having fun with the slogan and taking the photos, such bounty would come Bayside's way? A pair of socks, a box of handkerchiefs or even perhaps a shirt would have been fantastic in itself, but three vouchers, incredible. Thank you, Gasman. I think that's excellent. Results from the Camberwell Baton Club uh, of the Mixed Open and the Mixed Open 60 Pluses. The final ranking in the Principals were in the Mixed Open. May Ratana, Frederick Venkotasami and Jessen Sumeri. And the final ranking in the Mixed 60 Plus Triples, Kate Mangan, Ron Jenkins and Antoine Buffet. A couple of quick notices from the minutes of uh, a couple of quick notices from the minutes of Patong Federation of Australia. The Patong Federation of Australia's annual general meeting first notice. The date will be Monday, the fifth of April, twenty twenty, at six thirty Adelaide time. The venue will be Novo Gardens Patong Club, four eighty nine Anzac Highway, Novo Gardens, and via Zoom. Note, the time and place will be confirmed with a second notice 21 days prior to the meeting. Also from the PFA Minutes, um, this was article number seven about age categories. The board ratified the policy that a player's age for the purposes of playing an age-based tournaments is their age attained during the season. That's July 1st to June the 30th. Now, one you might not be ready for. Do not heat your bulls. They may explode. A few Patong players in the USA brave the rigours of winter and continue to play with the snow on the ground. Some of those players put the bulls in some kind of device to warm them up. The moral of this post is that bulls and heat do not mix. In 2009, a new unsold set of leisure bulls sitting on a shelf in a storeroom in a store in Switzerland spontaneously exploded. Response to the incident was swift. The Swiss department store chain Co-op, which sold the sets, immediately launched an aggressive recall campaign. A few days later, the German federal government issued a press release warning the public of the danger of cheap bulls. The German Patong Federation recommended buying certified bulls and shopping for bulls in specialty stores rather than in supermarkets. The Swiss Federal Laboratory of Material Science and Technology analysed the remaining bulls in the set. They were cheap leisure bulls manufactured by the Dutch company Nebus BV. Like all such bulls, they had thin metal walls with poorly welded seams and were filled with a sand-like mixture or mortar. EMA found that the sand was damp and contaminated with iron filings. The moisture in the sand corroded the iron filings. That chemical reaction produced hydrogen gas, which caused high pressure inside the bull, the seam of the bull failed and the bull exploded. It literally blew its top. On Saturday, September 4th in 2016, in the German town of Nettetal near Dusseldorf, during a neighbourhood party in the middle of a tent erected in the event, a patonk bull spontaneously exploded. The explosion ripped a hole in the ceiling of the tent and left a small crater in the ground, but nobody was injured. A Dusseldorf bomb squad removed the remaining seven bulls in the set and safely detonated them. In 2017, the first player to be seriously injured, killed in fact, yeah, well, that's pretty serious, by an exploding leisure bull, was a player in Thailand. 
Apparently, some tired players believe that soaking bulls in water and then heating them can somehow improve a player's ability to put spin on the bulls. In preparation for an after-work game with his buddies, a firefighter named Decho Pechnin had been heating his set of bulls in an aglo burner for about two hours when one of the bulls exploded, blowing the burner apart and scattering debris in a 10-metre radius. The explosion occurred while Deco was bending over the burner, stirring the bulls. A metal fragment from the exploded bulls struck Deco in the forehead, piercing his skull and killing him instantly. In 2018, the second death due to an exploding bull occurred on April 19. A family was having an afternoon cookout in Bulu, a small village near Perpignan. The barbecue grill had been set up in the garden and an unnamed 31-year-old man was doing the cooking. Unknown to the man, a petanque bull had been left inside the grill and forgotten. The heat of the fire caused the bull to explode. Fragments of the exploding bull struck the man in the head. He was dead by the time the doctor arrived on the scene. Again, it seems it was a cheap leisure bull. So, very uncool to heat your bulls. Here's a series of articles which I'd like to feature over the next seven episodes. New players of the game will gain a lot from this advice. It comes from Ray Ager from Anglia Petonk Association and it's headed Seven Deadly Sins of Petonk, Sinners and Winners. Sin number one, not playing as a team. How far should you throw the jack? If you answered six to ten metres, well, at least you know the rules. Playing as separate individuals rather than working together as a team is the worst and one of the most common deadly sins that beginners and others make. The correct answer to the question is to a distance that best suits your team and disadvantages the opponents. This means you need to talk to your teammates, consider different options, evaluation of the relative strengths and weaknesses of both your own team and the opponents, the score, etc., and then make a team decision about how far to throw the jack. If you are a good team player, you should also be asking where to throw the jack. On a smooth area, on a slope, in deeper gravel, in a stony area, etc. Again, these are all factors that should be taken into account. The next team question is, who throws the jack? Traditional advice is that the shooter throws, choosing the distance that they prefer. Although it would seem more logical that the team makes the decision. The player who is most accurate at throwing the jack should be the one who throws. Just to prove Einstein's third theorem, for every expert there was an equal and opposite expert. There's a good argument that the pointer should throw the jack, as this will help them read the terrain. You also need to practice throwing the jack, something often neglected, but something that can be a vital skill to give you the edge in a game. So now you've thrown the jack, better, your team has thrown the jack, one of the most important principles to learn is to think and behave as a team. This means firstly to agree on team roles. Who is going to point and shoot and who will be the middle player when playing triples? A related scene is to think first, second and third players. If you say I'll play first, then you haven't learnt that each player has a role in the team. Pointer, shooter, middle. And you won't know who will play the first until the opponents have played a bull when you should then evaluate the situation and decide what shot to play. If you point, then the pointer will play. If you're going to shoot, then the shooter will play. Especially when forming a team, you should always evaluate the head together, discuss tactics, and hopefully take a team decision on what shot to play and who is going to play. 
For example, when pointing, you should decide what type of shot, rolling, half lob, high lob, what line to take, where to land the bull, are you trying to get as near to the jack as possible, tap a bull out, play onto another bull, etc. Think positive. Don't say, let's try one shot, implying doubt and uncertainty. Much better to say, let's take out the holding bull. A positive statement says what you're going to do. When you've played your bulls, don't walk off the terrain taking no further interest or part in the end. Instead, stay together as a team and help advise the other team players on what shot to play. If you're the pointer and you're pointing well, you can help your team indicating the best line to take, the best landing spot. Although you've played your bulls, you're still part of the team and you should be involved and play an active part in the team's decisions. If you stand together, you're showing that you're together as a team. If you've got one player behind the circle, one behind the jack and another chatting to players on the next terrain, it shows you're not together as a team. Another related sin to poor teamwork is the frustration shot. Usually in doubles, the pointer, or often the first player, points a couple of bulls in quick succession, failing to beat the opponent's holding bull, and without thought and certainly without consultation, fires off a wild rolling shot that invariably ends up off the terrain, having missed the opponent's bull by a mile. What sins were committed? Failure to agree rolls, the pointer taking a wild shot when the shooter should be shooting. Failure to consult and agree which shot and who is to play. Playing too quickly. Probably not filling in the last hole and then getting a bad bounce. <laughs> so there you are. Also obvious, but also vital. For your next sin, tune in to the next episode. Francois and his partner Marius were playing in the region's big knockout competition, the Champion of Champions. Prize money was $1,000 each. They were both on form and had made it into the finals where they were leading 12-10 in a closely fought match. Francois slowly walked to the coche, carefully studying the terrain, before returning to the circle and squatted down ready to shoot what they had hoped to be the winning bull. Just as he was about to play, a funeral procession passed by the terrain. Francois stood up, took off his cap and stood with his eyes closed waiting for the procession to pass. Marius couldn't believe what he was seeing. What the hell do you think you're doing, he said. We're through to the final. You're just about to play the winning bull for a thousand dollars and you stop like that? Please, replied Francois, have a little respect. We were married for 25 years. Now something different to end on. <laughs> Is this different? You'll be forgiven for thinking this recording was made at some obscure jungle where tribes of violent warriors were preparing for conflict. No, in fact, this is what you can expect at evening twilight petonk meetings under the soft tones of overhead field lighting in an inner suburban, that's a very inner suburban petonk club, during the evening meal break between games. That's enough of that. Well, we've really run out of time again. There's, there was so much more to cover. Oh, well, maybe next time. So don't heat your bowls while drinking, besties. 
Just stick together as a team and don't stand on anyone's rules. Take a lead from Gazman. Try and get a game at Mount Martha and be blown away by a supernova. So tune in next time for more of whatever this was. Be sure to catch up all episodes. Subscribe to your favourite podcast app. Rex out.